Hello and welcome to another episode of Blankets and Boundaries. I'm your guide, Duke Novak. And for this episode, we are going to be talking about ACEs, uh, adverse childhood experiences, toxic stress, trauma, and Dr. Nadine Burke Harris, um, California Surgeon General. Uh, she has done a lot of work in this area and runs a center in San Francisco where they, uh, for children, where they really try to approach this topic from all angles. They have, you know, physicians working with the kids and their medical issues. They have social workers who go into the home and, you know, work with the family. They have therapists, you know, the whole team approach. So caps off to Dr. Nadine Burke Harris and her work. So here we go. Uh, we're going to be talking about ACEs. Let's get started. So what is ACEs and where did this adverse childhood experiences uh, research come from? So Kaiser Permanente, they uh, did this research uh, when and it was started by doctors because what these doctors were finding were that adults with certain types of medical issues could be correlated back to experiences they had as children. And the adverse childhood experiences uh, has a questionnaire. And these are some of the questions that are asked. And then you get a, a score, which can mean certain things um, about your your future. So it says here, while you were growing up during your first 18 years of life, did a parent or other adult in the household often swear at you, insult you, put you down, or humiliate you? Act in a way that made you afraid that you might be physically hurt. Then you answer that yes or no. Question two, did a parent or other adult in the household often push, grab, slap, or throw something at you? Ever hit you so hard that you had marks or were injured? Again, answer yes or no. Uh, number three, did an adult or person at least five years older than you ever touch or fondle you or have you touch uh, their body in a sexual way? Try to or actually have oral, anal, or vaginal sex with you? Again, answer yes or no. Uh, number four, did you often feel that no one in your family loved you or thought you were important or special? Your family didn't look out for each other, feel close to each other, or support each other? Number five, did you often feel that you didn't have enough to eat, had to wear dirty clothes, and had no one to protect you? Your parents were too drunk or high to take care of you or take you to the doctor if you needed it. Number six, were your parents ever separated or divorced? Number seven, was your mother or stepmother often uh, pushed, grabbed, slapped, or had something thrown at her? Something uh, sometimes are often kicked, bitten, hit with a fist, or hit with something hard. Ever repeatedly hit over at least a few minutes repeatedly hit over at least a few minutes or threatened with a, a gun or knife. 
Number eight, did you live with anyone who was a problem drinker or alcoholic or who used street drugs? Number nine, was a household member depressed or mentally ill or did a household member attempt suicide? Number 10, did a household member go to prison? So you answer these questions, yes or no. And each time you put a little check, it's like one point or one um, tally. And then at the end, you tally them all up and that's your ACE score. Now, I think this questionnaire has changed a little bit over time. People have, you know, put in different questions, but you get the idea. These are all would all be considered adverse childhood experiences. Now, studies have shown that one in six adults experienced four or more types of ACEs. Five of 10, at least five of the top 10 leading causes of death are associated with ACEs. And 44%, preventing ACEs could reduce the number of adults with depression by as much as 44%. So what they found was that these adverse childhood um, experiences really affected the lives of these adults and, and their, their well-being, their physical well-being, their medical well-being. And it has shown that the higher your ACEs score, the lower your life expectancy. So this is, you know, this was kind of groundbreaking research to realize this connection. And these, you know, traumatic events that occur in childhood that include violence, abuse, and growing up in a family with mental health or substance use problems. This isn't like one traumatic event. They call this toxic stress from ACEs because it, it's happening over your childhood. And what I find in these questions is that for these children, their life is very inconsistent. Um, they're, they're not sure how their parents are going to act towards them. And they don't receive the blankets. They don't receive the boundaries. They, re- you know, it's, it's abusive in a lot of these situations. And when that puts that child that is experiencing toxic stress day to day to day to day, it puts them on edge. They're constantly in the survival mode and it can actually change brain development and and affect how the body responds to stress. And like I said, these ACEs are linked to chronic health problems, mental illness, and substance misuse in adulthood. So trauma-informed care has been uh, a focus for many institutions. Um, I, I, I see it a lot in education, this idea that we need to be trauma-informed, that, that we need to understand ACEs, really. We need to understand toxic stress and how to respond to these 
students, children, and even adults that have had uh, uh, that have a high score. How to respond to these people? How to create environments that don't, um, you know, just react um, to you know student behaviors or you know student failures because if what i see a lot is this reactive mode where it's it, it lacks understanding and that's what this idea of trauma informed care is about is trying to inform people who work with kids that these children may be experiencing a lot of adversity and their brains may actually always be in this sort of protective mode, this survival mode. And that's usually why these behaviors occur. Um, the, the emotional breakdowns, the, you know, social um, problems that can exist with our kids and, and it's the brain is actually being affected by their environments and these adverse childhood experiences. So how can we as a school or an institution, you know, not slip into that kind of reactive, uh, judgmental sort of stance and how can we create environments that are consistent, uh, that are routine and with, with expectations? Because I feel if kids have, and I work, okay, I work with a lot of students that have high A scores. That's, you know, the, the program I work in, I work with about 30 to 40 kids. And, and that's the through line is that most of these kids, not all of them, but most of them have a high A score. There's some adversity in their environments at home um, or that have, you know, occurred earlier in their childhoods. So then how can I create a program that's going to be beneficial for these kids and, and help them succeed at school or help them succeed, you know, later in life. And that's, you know, part of that is what I've, or why I've titled this podcast blankets and boundaries. Cause when I'm working with these kids, that's what I'm trying to provide for them. And the program that I work in, we're, we're trying to provide this kind of family sort of atmosphere where they understand that we're consistent and concerned and care for them. And if we can genuinely get that across to our students, they tend to feel safe and secure and emotionally cared for. So not only is this the title of the podcast, but it's what I try to do with the students that I work with in this program that I work with at a, at a high school. 
is to create that kind of trauma-informed care, uh, care that includes blankets and boundaries. I, I read somewhere uh, that trauma-informed care is kind of a, a mix of Mr. Rogers and General Patton. Same idea, right? Of kind of walking this middle way. What I tend to see sometimes with these students <laughs> is the extremes. You know, programs that are all blankets and it becomes very sentimental and these kids tend to walk over these teachers and, and they, they play the adults and they get away with whatever they want to get away with. Uh, that's one example. And then I see the other example of these really rigid, you know, um, kind of military-like schools that are going to, you know, whip, whip these kids into shape. And again, uh, I, I think it's a combination of the two. Uh, I, I see, I see kids that that probably need some more boundaries, um, and that could use kind of that a little bit more of that uh, um, firm approach. And I see, you know, kids who might need a little bit more um, of the blankets, some sort of emotional support. But ultimately, I see that most of these kids are looking for both the boundaries and the emotional support. And, and you know, so, so the first thing I look at, though, is the resources. You know, I try to get these kids... If it's food that they need, nutritious food, um, they need help with, you know, some sort of system they're involved in, judicial system, that type of thing. We, we kind of work through that stuff. But once that stuff is kind of taken care of, that kind of practical stuff, I, I'm seeing these kids really, you know, screaming from their unconscious, care about me, give me boundaries, Give me consistency. Make me feel secure. And if I can, so when I give an individual session, I try to give that individual student that feeling of being safe enough and trusting enough that they can express what they need to express. But then when we get into like a group setting or the, the, the program as a whole, you know, we'll, we'll run like a Thanksgiving uh, holiday feast where all the kids come and we all bring food. So when the whole group is involved, I try to create, along with the, the marvelous teachers that I work with, we try to create this kind of family kind of atmosphere where everybody looks out for everybody. Um, and everybody cares about everybody. And I've seen some of the... <laughs> You know, the toughest kids stand up for other kids in the program. Uh, I've seen kids, some of the toughest kids stand up for me <laughs> and ask me like, hey, how are you doing today? I can tell you're not, you're not doing so well. So it's that kind of like that, all that, the mutual caring that we try to create like a family. Um, and that... <laughs> 
to me has been, you know, uh, pretty successful for these kids. If we can, if we can manage to create that during the pandemic, um, we still held group online on zoom and most of the kids would pop on just to say hello and just to, you know, and the teachers were on there too. And we were just trying to maintain that, that idea of connection and, and family. And even though this really stinks right now, you know, it's great that we can still meet on zoom, you know, once a week and, and hang out. You know, we had kids in the, the middle of winter come to the school and we had like a holiday little celebration outside. We did what we could, but kids showed up. Um, it was fantastic. Cause again, it's that like that feeling of, of care and support. But, but again, we, we also provide boundaries. We're not going to let these kids just kind of, you know, run around and they appreciate that. They appreciate that. Um, you know, <laughs> a lot of these teenagers, they, a lot of excuses and we try to break down those excuses and no, you got this. We're not going to accept that excuse. Get it done. Remember one of the teachers, uh, one of the students said, I don't have shoes for gym. She took off her shoes, gave them to the girl and said, go to gym. And she went to gym. So it's, it's that middle way. It's that inclusion of the opposites and of the extremes and seeing the, the benefits in both approaches and being able to kind of, you know, be aware enough to know what that student might need in that moment. Um, there are often times where, you know, I might, I might let a boundary down and, and, and realize this kid needs to just talk about what's going on. And I can, I can tell it's more of an emotional, maybe something happened at home or before school or something socially. And I might say, you know, okay, is it okay if we if we just go talk and see what's going on, even if an assignment's due or, or something and maybe, you know, drop that boundary a little bit. But then there are other times where I can tell a kid's just playing me, wants to talk, wants to get out of his No, 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 no. You need to sit down and do your work. And it's really being aware and in tune with your students to able to kind of know when what approach is appropriate for that time. So for the holiday party I mentioned earlier where the kids came out when it was cold outside, we all froze, but we had coffee and hot chocolate and things like that. I I gave them a little gift. Um, it was a story I wrote. I'm going to read now. It's called Tin Turtle. One moment, a child was born, and it seemed that just a moment later, 
they had grown into a teenager. Yet throughout their development, the child had experienced difficult weather conditions, turbulent storms, and built a rusty tin body, a battered armor formed with scorch marks, scratches, and dents because of the countless battles with horrible dragons, the opposite of a knight in shining armor. The young person had fought many battles with tiny, large, grotesque, and even invisible dragons. Because of this, the growing child had become a tin turtle of sorts, a teenage Don Quixote in survival mode, contemplating their next steps. Until one moment, someone, who legend says could have been a family member, friend, teacher, or acquaintance, asked, Hey kid, do you mind if I clean up a spot here on your armor? It's a bit rusty and scorched. With plenty of hesitation and distrust, the young person wrestled with this suggestion. And after months of uncertainty, the young person finally accepted the offer, but cautiously mentioned, I will let you in just a little bit to clean up, but that is all. And we'll see how it goes. This particular person began exposing all of their tools. They had cloth, steel wool, oils, cleaning products, buffing pads, and duct tape equipped for the task. Gently, and sometimes with force, this individual began removing the rust and scorch marks that had ingrained themselves into the armor. After several months of hard labor, there was a discovery. Hey kid, I do not know if you know this, but something is starting to shine through here. I believe there may be gold underneath all this. To the young person's surprise, they questioned if this helper was delusional. They began to argumentatively say, I do not know what you are talking about, but I know for a fact it cannot be gold. No one has ever noticed or told me that there is gold underneath all my armor. It came off as defiant and rude. Yet the helper gently continued, I'm not sure what you believe, but I see what I see. And after months of working away the tarnished kid, you are made of gold. The young one bit their lip not to lash out, but instead said, show me. Take a look for yourself, replied the individual. The youngster looked down at their dirty metal hands and wiped away the grime after more months passed. To their astonishment, one could see tiny bits of gold dust underneath the fingernails. You have got to be kidding me, exclaimed the youngster. You see, you've been made of gold this whole time mentioned the helper. You have worth and value that you did not even know you had. You matter, kid. You are gold. Now, this does not imply that the youngster was exempt from experiencing difficult times in its future, but instead, the genuine value of what it indeed possessed was never forgotten. And even though they encountered more tragedy, there was never again a typhoon or dragon they could not manage or tame. 
the transformed one was now able to draw on the power of their goldenness. They truly shine for the rest of their days, no matter the weather. And over the years, the individual spent time with other teenagers who had grown into tin turtles. Hey, kid, do you mind if I clean up a spot here on your armor? It looks a bit rusty and scorched. The end. I also gave them a picture of myself. I, I look like an elf on the shelf. I photoshopped myself sitting on a shelf with a meditation bowl. And I said, feel free to hang up this picture in a spot where you will see it in passing. And whenever you walk by it, remember to take a few mindful breaths to remind yourself to be present in this moment. Happy holidays, the mindfulness elf. So that is what I gave them. And, and really, that is what I see with a lot of my students. They, they forget their worth. Um, the toxic stress, the trauma, you know, has built up a lot of defenses, a lot of armor. Um, and I, I try to remind them that there's, there's worth underneath all that. And there's, there's value and who they are and and their many strengths and, and their many talents um, that they're not just this diagnosis or, or this trauma that they're more and you know through the, the program that I work in through this kind of family atmosphere and individual care and, and providing the boundaries and blankets um, over time, uh, they they do seem to soften and, and become more genuine. Um, so, <sighs> if you're you know working with kids that have experience many adverse childhood experiences or if you're a parent please be mindful of how these experiences can really affect a child in their you know for for their future for their future health uh physical health mental health um it can affect their uh, propensity to abuse substances um, and if we can prevent some of these adverse childhood experiences a lot of what we see in adulthood like depression um, would drop in numbers and if we can be mindful and, and aware of how these and trauma informed and understand how this toxic stress and these experiences can, can impact a, a lifetime. I would hope that we would make sure that our children are, are held um, more often <laughs> And are provided boundaries more often 
healthy boundaries um, so that they can ha- have a better have a better start to their life in order to carry that through. Thanks again uh, for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, Till next time. Take care, everyone.